everybody. I'm Francesca Maxime. Welcome to the Rebooted Podcast here on Ram Das's Be Here Now Network. I am continuing to explore some of the more creative arts and things that uh, I feel really sustain us and bring us joy uh, during times of challenge. And the pandemic has certainly been that. And I'm here today with uh, pianist Emmett Cohen. And he is hailing in from lovely Harlem, New York, his home, and has just come back from a trip where he was touring in Russia. And I want to talk today a little bit about practicing a spiritual practice and sort of, or how the discipline of practicing can kind of, you know, sort of work with us in ways that enable us to kind of share uh, our best selves with the world in the way that you do. You bring, you bring joy to people. At least you brought joy to me uh, in my household uh, over the winter. So welcome, Emmett. Thanks so much for joining us here on Rebooted. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, um, first of all, tell me, uh, you just got back from 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 Russia uh, about a week ago. You were touring. What is it like to tour during the pandemic? Um, well, it's 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 it can be nerve wracking uh, for some people, um, but we've uh, been lucky. I think I, we took our first trip in August, um, and we went to Vail. Uh, right at the beginning of August or end of July, <clears throat> 2020. And so we've been conditioned. So I've been on a few planes and been in and out of uh, some different situations uh, where, you know, um, I guess, you know, we're, we're less comfortable than we used to be. Um, but I always kind of imagine how Dizzy Gillespie or Louis Armstrong would have thought about this time. And, and, and you know, I, I have a, have a uh, premonition that they would really you know, feel like they needed to bring the music to this time and, you know, put themselves on the, be on the front lines, really. Benny Green was like, you know, it's your time to be on the front lines, um, you know, mm -hmm. stay home. And, you know, as, as someone who's 30 years, years old and, and, and Russell Hall is 26 and Kyle Poole is 27, um, you know, uh, some someone has to bring this music because it, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a healing, it's therapy, it's all of, all of, all of that for the world. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important that, that we, that we, that we bring it and, and people who have, you know, gone through such a tough time in the, in the last year. So, um, you know, we consider it a sort of a humanitarian effort and it's also what we do and what we love to do. And, um, and, and, and so that's, that's the mindset, uh, you know, it's a bit weird to travel and, and everything's a bit different and you could have a 20 hour travel day in a, in a mask. Um, yeah. And, and things, things are, you know, there are sacrifices that, that, that need to be made now, but, um, overall, I think it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it, we, we've been fortunate with it and, and people have been really appreciative. 100%. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that you're you're continuing to do it. And that's your mindset. That's your philosophy. That's how you that's, you know, you see it that way. Um, because it really is a gift to people. Um, maybe I'm going to walk it back a minute. I mean, you've been, a, you know, at the piano since you were what, three? Uh, yeah, I started when I was three. Yeah. And, 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 and how did that come about? And in, in, in terms of your evolution to becoming um the jazz pianist that you are today and you just mentioned some of the greats that have obviously influenced you you know why were you drawn to this particular kind of music or you know that kind of thing i'm just curious about all that the origin uh, story if you will i started playing piano uh, suzuki piano at three and a half and uh i feel that's that's a method where you learn by ear and then you put the you know no physical notes to the to the music after you learned it by ear and, and i think really just lends itself to, to, to the way we learn jazz, which is such an aural tradition. 
um, listening to records, figuring things out, going out to jam sessions, um, you know, being around other musicians, uh, seeing how they play and absorbing it, you know, through through osmosis. And so that's always how I kind of learned music, um, rather than looking at sheet music and and, and trying to sight read it. Um, so I'm much more, you know, coming from 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 an ear perspective and than a no perspective, and that's uh, a you know big part of of jazz. Um, yeah, improvisational music and, and, and music where you play together with other people and, and create a moment and or many moments <laughs> and um and and so you know i think it's it, it found me in in many ways uh, mm. for, for productions and school of musicals and and various things like that and got to know some of the songs and you know there were singers in in school and summer camp and various places that needed uh, accompaniment and so i would you know learn that some of those standards or yeah, i remember very very uh, beginnings maybe when i was 10 years old or something like that maybe 11 12 um i was in summer camp and there's someone who wanted to sing good morning heartache and, and at last and i remember not knowing and seeing a lead sheet for the first time and trying to figure out the chords and you know it was just a, a conglomeration of many different experiences that kind of all fed into this thing and when i was in middle school i heard charlie parker and and, and john coltrane and i was playing uh, saxophone and clarinet at that time and I was taking lessons and we worked on some of those solos and then I was, you know, playing piano and hearing Oscar Peterson and trying to understand what that sound was about. And so it was just a, like a lot came from a lot of different directions, music around the house. I got to see some of the great jazz musicians. My dad would see, take me to see Monty Alexander, and, wow. uh, Marcus Roberts, people like that and put on BGO in the house. And, and you know, it just just came came, you know, to me from many different sides. Right, right. No, I love that. I love that. And I love that you learn by ear. I mean, that was always my forte also. I mean, I played a little bit and I started with fake book and I got to like mixolydian scales and things like that. And I was like, hey, I'm walking away because <laughs> um, it was just it was just a lot. And but I love that your fluidity around this was um, was just sort of organic and that, you know, you say it found you. And I, I think that's the best. But so funny. You know that. Uh, uh... You, know, you, you say like the mixolydian scales and this and that uh, there was a moment where i was feeling that and and uh i'm i'm still feeling that because I'm, I'm much more of like a language and in an ear and a you know aural uh player than like a this scale and this chord and this stuff which is important too with but when i i mentioned monty alexander when i went to see him when i was 12 or 13 or 14 years old um i went up to him after I said, Mr. Alexander, do you use the modes, like the Lydian mode when you're improvising? You know, such a, I was a kid and I asked him and he's like, Emmett Mann, I don't know what the Lydian mode is, man. I, <laughs> I love that. And so it's funny that you just said, you know, the Lydian mode and this, the, that, that's what I was feeling. And I asked Monty Alexander if he uses the modes and stuff and he, right. he said no. And uh, I think that was kind of a light bulb moment where I was like, okay they're trying to teach me all this stuff but really like you know really just it's just supposed to come from here so kind of took a, took the pressure off at a young age you know right which is so amazing and so beautiful and i'm so i so love that you had the courage and 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 just sort of curiosity to ask him that question and that he was as authentic and as embodied as he was in his response because um i feel as though you know in my experience, um, just in life in general, I'm a poet, that's my art, right? And so I don't study, read, 
format, whatever poetry, when it comes, it's coming and it flows and it's right. And I know when it's good and when it's shitty and, you know, all those things. And, uh, you know, I mean, I like to do other things like decorate and cook and things like that. But this idea of creative, meaning generative, meaning something is emergent out of you, out of whatever amalgamation of events that you're experiencing. Um, I think is is a special gift that as a somatic psychotherapist and life coach, I'm using a lot of people's right brain experiences, their images, their sort of meanings, their interpretations of things to, to get them out of just this linear, logical left brain <clears throat> piece, which is useful for a lot of things and not always the thing that's going to get you to the place of your heart. Um, is, is that heart-centered place. And so maybe talk a little bit about how that helps inform how you show up. Because when you show up with all of the folks that you bring into your apartment, you do this beautiful uh, Monday night live stream that um, you can tell people, I know how it kind of started because I heard you talk about it before, but you could mention if you want, because uh, I really want people to come in and tune into that and donate to your, you know, to your trio. Uh, because as you said, um, you know, all three of you have been doing it all the time, uh, but that you really have appreciation and respect for all of the greats that have come before you and an awareness around not being appropriative, I believe, in the way in which you go about that, especially in this time of uh, the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, COVID, all these things that we're navigating in terms of social justice. I really feel as though you're aware of your social location as a 30-year-old white Jewish man in the middle of what is a genre that is typically um, a black musical genre. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, you just have to, to to remember, you know, you don't have to be uh, European and white to play European classical music, and you don't have you don't have to you don't have to be anything to 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 come to a culture and, and interact with their with their art form and, and you know jazz is black American music um, but the beautiful thing about it is that it can let people in and as long as you um, are aware as long as you know um, as long as, as as you carry it with you as long as you continue to educate and, and continue to um, you know to, to to create with that in mind uh, I believe that you know that, that it's that it's all right um, and you know we're all out here just doing the best we can <laughs> And, um, and, you know, anything I can do for the music, um, I think is more important than anything that I can do for myself, really. So I think, you know, part of our mission is to make as many people aware about aware of this music and, and aware that that is something that's supposed to be fun and supposed to be from here and not really supposed to be from here as much like we were just talking about. Mm. And you know, I've come a lot, come across a lot of people who say, "Hey, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't think I liked jazz, and then I heard you guys, and like, turns out I really do." Um, and yeah. so, you know, it's been part of my mission also to 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 make people who don't think they like this music um, interact with it and 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 feel, and feel something, and you know, also incorporate other other aspects of of, of life and and culture and different kind of musics, um, you know. Kyle and Russell, for instance, are very, you know, very well versed in the music of James Brown, Stevie Wonder, and Prince, and and you know, even even uh, everybody up up until today, you know, we listened to P.J. Morton and and incorporate sure. his styles and feelings into our music, and we kind of just add and add and add whatever we hear. Um, you know, Russell went through a phase of listening to sea shanties, and so, <laughs> you know, we Russell and I play classical music together, you know. 
kind of wow. impressionistic music together. Um, and so incorporating all, all, all of those other aspects while st staying true to the core of what, what it is, black music and, um, and, and, and trying to come, come to it with you know, some, 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 some funk and some, you know, just natural personality. Yeah, and you do, it's joyful. I mean, from your crazy jackets and pants, you know, you're always very colorful and, you know, I mean, it's fun, right? I mean, it's your, you're performing, so you should have some, I don't know, attention to the fact that people are watching you um, as they should be. part of the expression, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a particular like thing about that, that you're like, you know, today I'm feeling my yellow pants versus my pink pants or whatever it is, or you just, whatever's not no, dirty. I don't, I don't know. You know, for me, it's like we did these concerts in my house. So, so like I will sound check and then like 10 minutes before, like I can see what everyone's wearing and then kind of go match it. Got it. <laughs> that's, know. that's cool. Unlike a gig where, you know, you show up in a suit and tie and you're the only one in a suit and tie and everyone's, uh, you know, wearing casual stuff, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't know that this gig was casual," um, right. which happens. Or, you know, you have a fancy gig, and then and then a not so fancy gig, and you show up to the not so fancy gig in your fancy gig clothes, um, and everyone's like, "Where are you coming from?" Right, right. You gotta let loose, let the let the tie let the tie out. Uh, yeah, so you, you never know. It's an expression, and, and people dress different different ways, and um, and and but it's it's part it's part of the music, you know, for sure. For sure, for sure. It's part of that engagement. You mentioned a little bit about the fact that you and Kyle and Russell spend time in your trio, um, you know, exploring different genres or different aspects of, of music, um, different kinds of music. Uh, what is your quote unquote, like practice routine? Is it that you always just get together with them and improvise? Do you write music? I know you just have a new album. Um, you know, tell me about your creative process and how disciplined is it or how loose is it? And I say that in the sense of, obviously it's disciplined uh, in its own way, like we were talking about with the right brain and coming from the heart. But I think you know what I'm getting at is, is do you wake up every morning and spend an hour doing you know stuff on the piano or do you spend an hour doing yoga? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think in different parts of my life, it, it's, it's been different. You know, it's been, it's been a different journey. Um, you know, growing up, I practiced every 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 day for for however long I had, or for however long I had it in my attention span when I was young. Um, you know, played classical music in in high school and felt like I could never practice enough and never had it you know completely down. Um, and I think when I got to college, I like really found my my practice routine and groove when I was doing four hours every single night and, and mm. I was in some some competitions to the American Pianist Association and the Thelonious Monk competition and that really inspired me to like to to practice and really try to get a sound out of the piano for the first time. I grew up playing upright piano so this was my first my first experience like having prolonged activity on a on a grand piano and how this mm. and how to interact with 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 that. And so <clears throat> I had a routine I was almost doing every night you know, uh, from, from, from eight to 12 until the music building would close and then, you know, go do whatever, you know, college people do after that. Wow. So that was like, that, that was probably my most disciplined, you know, four, four year kind of period of, of practicing all the time. And cause I had the time to do it. Uh, and then when I you know moved to New York and I was getting my master's and I had school music, but I was going out to every club, you know, all over the, all over the city. I had this routine where, where, uh, I lived uh, by Smoke Jazz Club on 109th Street. I lived yep, been there. in Broadway. 
and I would go to Smoke Jazz Club, and then I would go down to uh, to, to Dizzy's Club, which is on 59th Street, Columbus Circle, and then I would go down to Smalls after that, and kind of kind of trying to catch everyone that was playing, and maybe say hello, and maybe uh, you know just just check out the music and see what what New York was about, and then maybe if it was a Tuesday, go over to the Zinc Bar in the Village, or or down to the Fat Cat, and then you know take the train back up and go to you know maybe stop and and buy smoke and see what was going on on the way home and. Um, and so I was going to school in the day and I was doing this at night. I think I did that every day for, for about 60 or 80 days in a row. Wow. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just go and meet everyone there is to meet in the city. I'm going to hear everything. I'm going to see everything. I want to show the people at the clubs that I'm serious and that, I'm, that I moved to New York and have the people at the doors know I moved here. Um, mm. and so, you know, that was my discipline when I moved to New York. Um, I wasn't practicing as much. You know, I had practiced, you know, my, my whole college to, to get ready for this moment. And now it was time to, to focus my energies on, um, on, on, on the vibe of New York and the energy. And, um, and you know, that slowly, slowly turned into, okay, oh, yeah, this guy's here now. Let's put him on this late night gig that pays $20 at such and such. Uh. And so then I was, I would, you know, be on a gig and meet people that way and then be practicing on, you know, on, on, on a gig. And, and you know, playing and practicing are two different but similar yep. balancing acts. Um, and, you know, now that, that, that or not now, but after that, you know, I started going on tour and playing these gigs with, with, with various people and the practicing would become, you know, being on the bandstand with Harlan Riley or Ollie Jackson or Brian Lynch or Kurt Elling um, or, you know, the jazz masters played Jimmy Cobb and Jimmy Heath and um, the Dizzy Gillespie alumni band was my first gigs in New York and you know just taking as many as many as many uh, opportunities as possible and then being in those opportunities and those became the learning experience the practice um, you know that I would I would, I would, 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 would you know learn from on, on the bandstand and that became kind of uh, kind of like what I needed to do next. And so that I had been in that cycle almost for, for, for seven years of living in New York. And then the pandemic hit, obviously practicing when I'm home, and you know, you, 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 I get into like different vibes where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna practice very seriously like for these three weeks that I'm home. And then I go on tour for two weeks. And if you play piano and you go on tour, you only touch it when you play gigs. Sure. So there's a this, there's this sensibility that, that, that you, are forced to develop where you just go sit down at the piano and you have to like build the warm up into the gig, into the sound check, into whatever it is, um, and just like be able to just do it and execute without like you know you don't have your saxophone in the hotel room. It's not it's not feasible for the piano. So especially if you're not the band leader and you know I'm there with Kurt Elling and he's doing his thing and I'm like okay I'm just you know playing when I'm when I'm when I'm told to play. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So that that's a different kind of practice, and then you're learning on the gigs, and then you know I record, you know Russell Hall and I we, we would record all the gigs, uh, especially when we were on tour with Trio, and we listen back to them the next day in the car or on the plane or whatever, and we listen to them together, and we're like, oh, that was a nice moment, or no, that wasn't really happening. We should. <laughs> I love oh, that. This song was too long. Like. Um, Man, let's try to like do this thing with this. With oh, I have an idea. Let's do. It. And then the practicing became like okay. We listen back to the gigs together and, and analyze the music um, and say okay, how can we make this better tomorrow night or the next five nights or or maybe we've been playing this song too much. Let's we need, we need a new song in this vibe or um, 
you know, that original thing you, we, we tried, it works, but not right there in the set. Um, and so there's all, you know, there's infinite amount of ways to analyze and, and, and practice. Sure. That became effective. And then for the past year, um, I spent a lot more time at home and uh, really got into a, a different kind of practice routine um, with, with, with all of the, you know, classical music that I hadn't had a chance to get to in a long time. And I also spent a lot, a lot of time with, with stride pianists in this past year, um, you know, Willie Lyon Smith, especially, um, mm. to learn some of his repertoire and, and get through some of that stuff where it takes consistent, um, everyday practicing to, to, to achieve, um, to achieve that. And, uh, you know, for the past few years, I haven't had the ability to do that. So, you know, Overlining, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Silver lining, a little extra time to, to practice and work um, and do all that stuff. And I know you asked me about this before, but um, not only did I want to practice piano during the during the pandemic, but I also um, wanted to work on some other aspects of, of, of my life. And yeah, you know, so I spent a lot of time reading in this past year, um, especially just fiction. I wanted to um, kind of you know, read, read creative things that people had conjured up from the depths of their brain, you know, mm-hmm. maybe come here and conjure up something from the depth of my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, my yoga practice, especially, um, I, I hadn't cooked anything, you know, pre-pandemic and, and, and forever, um, maybe ever, uh, you know, besides scrambled eggs or, or whatever, but sure. so, so I got, you know, got, that, that's part of my uh, routine now is to cook and, and work on my repertoire in this past year. So I was working on that. And um, I'm very into chess too. So I spent some time um, nice. working on my chess game. Um, Online or do you work, do you play with people live? Uh, I mean, I will play with people live, but you know, it's a pandemic and you're not seeing too many people. So right. uh, definitely online. And, uh, Have you ever played Go? I don't know what that is. It's a it's an ancient Chinese game. It's it's kind of like chess, but there's no winners or losers really. You kind of it's interesting. Anyway, just a thought. I'll check it out. I like lo- I like logic kind of, kind of things. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you. You wanted to finish oh. your thought about playing chess and the other things that you were doing yeah. in terms of your practice and stuff just, like that when you were home during the pandemic. Yeah, just just various various um, things that I was the, that I wanted to work on, not only at the piano, but. Um, you know, and also the business side of, of what we were doing to keep Russell Hall and Kyle Poole and myself afloat and, you know, do this, you know, live stream that we do behind me right. <laughs> every every week. And we've done 48 as of this interview. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, now that you say it, I was going to pop up a um, screen share and let people just listen to a clip of what you did uh, two days ago on Monday. How's that for, uh, you know, just for a minute or two? How's that sound? Right. Is that all right? All right. Hold on a second. I want people to get a flavor because we're talking about your music. So hold on a second. All right, so now we're going to just listen to a um, couple minutes of your uh, Live at Emma's Place, uh, volume 48 uh, from Monday. Okay.
I'm just going to pause it there and just kind of um, come back to to you and, and just sort of as you watch yourself, you know, are you reflecting on like, oh, this is what I was doing there or that? I mean, it's your nuance, the subtlety, the feeling, because you say you come from the heart. This was a little bit more of a of a more mellow version of, of something that you play. I can probably find something else that's um, a little more active, if you will. But um, what's going through your mind as you watch yourself there play? Anything? Uh I was remembering the song and a song called Contemplation and that was a Wayne Shorter tribute um, and so not something I played very often but there's like the huge buildup in that in that in the ballad um, that happens on the bridge and you caught it right in that moment where I, where I was trying to like build up the energy like to to like just the climax of this like song in the same place that the song climaxes like it, that I wanted my solo to get to the thing and you know I was kind of trying to tell that to Kyle you know I'm sitting the opposite way so when we play in the house I, I don't have eye contact really with the with the guys um so I have to talk to them through the music and so I was reflecting actually in that moment on how I was trying to build up the energy and talk to him through the energy and that I was going to say okay we're going to build it up to here and we're going to release it just like it does on the melody okay <laughs> and so that's what I was talking to him um, through the music, and 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 then, uh, and he he built it up, and then we like hit the th we you know you hit the like the the big downbeat, and then he went switched to the sticks, right? I think maybe mm -hmm. he already had them, but I think he like switched or switched symbols or something. So he changed the color right after that, and then we just kind of brought it into like more of like a little like kind of wind down dancey kind of kind of kind of feel. And, that's what I was communicating to him, and then he kind of communicated to me by this fix. And so we're constantly talking to each other um, through the music. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, one of the things that had occurred to me when you were speaking earlier is, um, well, two things. One is, you know, from a mindfulness perspective, mindfulness is about being in the present moment, knowing what you're doing, when you're doing it, as you're doing it, um, being aware, sort of having that accompanying. Uh, my teacher, Jack Hornfield, talks about you know loving awareness, mindfulness, but from a heart-centered place, from a compassionate heart-centered place, not just the mind-mind, but chitta and body-mind, the whole of the gestalt of one's essence and embodiment as a person on the planet, right? And what are we bringing? What are we bringing forward in that way? And I loved what you were saying earlier about this. Um, you know, we're doing this here now, and we're doing that here now, and you're just you're always meeting whatever the moment is. So you're responding from a place of what we would call equanimity or balance, which comes from the discipline of having put in and clocked in some of those hours and time and things like that, but then opens up to this place of freedom and creativity. And really, I think what is the generosity that comes from being in this place where you started, which is we want to share joy. This is, you know, a joyful practice. This is a joyful, you know, connection. This is an opportunity to um, enable people to uh, just not only be aware of the history of amazing black music, but also to, and all kinds of music, but also to, to experience something directly as opposed to have some thoughts or feelings or perceptions about what it means. And so um, when, you're, when you're in that moment and you're embodied and you're just right there in it, I feel like you give people the opportunity to actually just be in their moment. And it happens to be often a joyful moment, but that you can't be thinking about spreadsheets when you're listening and watching you guys play. Yeah, exactly. 
you know? I mean, I've said it better myself. <laughs> but, I, but I think that that's amazing because you're capturing your presence and focus and attention to detail, I think, enables other people or gives people a certain degree of permission to really just sink into absorbing the experience. And everything that the Buddha taught, anyway, is about your own direct experience and being aware of that and noticing where there are layers and papers over of what you think is something that goes together, but it doesn't really necessarily go together. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of like, you know, discordant, you know, kind of sounds and, and, and things like that, that, you know, we say, well, that's bad because it sounds, you know, off. I remember I was listening to Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, you know, years ago in, in, in Boston. And, and I was like, I don't know what this is because it was really far out. <laughs> I was at one of those too. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I was like, you know, but, but you can't ignore it, you know. And, and for me to be able to recognize that my preference was for what you play on Monday nights, but I recognized that there was an experience I was having that was very embodied and very um, direct around listening to that music that they were offering that I found unpleasant, but it didn't make that music bad or them bad musicians and you and your music good or a good musician. It just made it different. And so this idea of preferences, I think we can bring into um, just our awareness in terms of getting into the moment and being mindful of the joy that we're experiencing when we're listening and being presenced by you and your 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 friends. Yeah, I mean, it's also, you have to understand that, that, that Herbie and, and Wayne, what they were doing when they were my age was a lot more accessible. Um, and there was a particular path and a particular journey to let them um, be able to be on stage and, and play music that they heard the birds, you know, that they heard that they hear in their heads that relate to the, to the birds and the wind and the ocean. And they're, you know, they're really trying to play the sounds of the earth and the universe and um, the galaxies and, and you know, um, all the things that they did leading up to that moment kind of made it. Um, you know, make, make, makes it make sense and makes it like authentic. And there is that, that you know, these people play the blues, these people play, you know, with Miles, these people, you know, do their own little Blakey for, you know, Congo, African drums forever and ever and ever. Um, wrote all the music for that band. And this is kind of natural, ref, uh, you know, reflection of, of, of what comes out after, after so much of, of their lives are lived. And so there's also something really special in that, and I always, I always try to try to remember that as well when I'm when I'm listening to 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 any of the jazz masters do what they do. Yeah, no, and I so appreciate your offering and your insight on that. And I and I guess I I'm I'm sort of naming and recognizing that it was different for me to experience that, and I noticed that there was a part of me that found it less pleasant. But I have no. I have absolutely no qualms and no doubt that all of what you just say is 100% because as an artist, you're always, you know, if you're not emergent, what are you? You know what I mean? You, you, can't, you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, happy birthday again and again and again, whatever version of that, you know, yeah. cookie cutter thing is. And you can always find a new thread to interpret or to allow to flower out, I'm sure. Um, but it's a question of, whatever it is that's coming forward is coming forward for a reason, influenced by all those things. And I loved what you said about playing the sounds of the earth and the cosmos and the galaxies and all of that. And that resonates for me. And I know that, you know, there are 
practitioners also in terms of, um, you know, sort of spiritual practices that are uh, interconnected with, with, um, with their music. So tell me about your yoga practice. How did that come about and how does that help support or inform your, um, your music playing, if any, if it does? Um, I mean, it really came about, I had some uh, injuries with my hips and um, mm. I didn't have time to go to physical therapy or try that. And I said, you know, the only way to fix these torn labrums is to uh, go to, you know, get these surgeries and need them on both sides and recoveries nine months apiece. And oh God. I said, well, you know, I don't really have, you know, time or energy for, for that in my life. And it's not guaranteed, you know, full recovery. And so, I, you know, I, someone you know, told me to kind of check out this physical therapy stuff. And, and I uh, noticed and found out and read that it was directly related to yoga. So I started going, um, started, started a yoga practice and, and started going and found a teacher that I really connected with. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, just, just practiced multiple times a week, um, every day. And that was about four, three, three and a half years ago that, that I started that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't even touch my toes at that, at that point. So I came oh. to it largely from a physical, um, uh, pr- perspective, like, you know, I wanted to, you know, really master some more of the physical aspects of, of my, of my body. Um, you know, and, and it was just started with something, you know, the goals developed at first. It was, it was, you know, I just want to be able to touch my toes mm-hmm. after, after months and months, maybe, maybe a year, you know, I was finally flexible enough to my hamstrings and my back and my, you know, body. And, 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 you know, as I was learning, I, I learned how the breath integrated into, into all of this. Um, and it really kind of reminded me of the way that I always thought about my breath when I play music. Mm. Um, and when you know when when you're when you're lost or when you're when you're unsure or when uh when you're when you're nervous um when you're feeling anything you know you can always return to the breath it will always be there um Mm. and and you know through through competitions that may be you know super nervous through playing for the first time with um with jazz masters like ron carter who who, uh you know may maybe a younger age when I hadn't, you know, done as much. Sure. Those things would make me so nervous and, and, you know, uh, coinciding with the yoga practice, like I always realized that, that, that the breath is is something that that's always constant as long as we're here and as long as we're alive Um, and that we need to honor it and we need to, 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 to be aware of it sometimes because some of this thing that happens that, that we're often not aware of. Um, and when we become aware of it, um, we can tap into another um, kind of power and another kind of depth um, that uh, really links our minds and our bodies together. And so it was always something that I considered in music. And then when I, when I learned about it, um, learned, that, learned the power of it and as, as, it, as it relates to body and meditation and quieting your mind and quieting your heartbeat um, and how uh, powerful of a, of a tool it, it is then I you know even got deeper into into it and so I've been practicing yoga for for three and a half years now and it's a big part of my life a couple you know times a week at least um, wow. you know something that you can do in a hotel room um, you know to 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 you know to stay active to stay in shape it's something that you can do in place of a nap to get energy yeah it's something that you know you can turn to you know after a long flight you know I, I can 
you know, I can I can turn to that to feel better or to shake the jet lag or um, it's just another tool to, to, to help me in my life. And I'm glad that, that, that I found it and, um, and, and it, you know, continues to, to inspire me in many different ways of thinking. And, you know, you always, you know, you always find a different teacher who has a different way of approaching you and makes you think about things differently. And, mm. and it makes you think about a lot of things differently, not just about the, the yoga practice. So it's something that's interconnected in, in many things we do. Just like the breath is and, 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 and the mind and the body and the, connect, the connection between everything. So I love the connections that it, that it, that it makes in my life. I, I love I love what you're saying and I and I love that um, you know it's it's the breath is with you for as long as we're alive we can always return to it and 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 how that can be an anchor and you know in mindfulness practice it's it's really just that it's that you know when we get lost when we get taken away just like you're saying when you're you know on stage but even in life I mean in a way life is a stage right and so <laughs> we're sort of navigating that and um, to just kind of come home to ourselves and remind ourselves we have a home here. Yeah, and, um, and and you know a lot of things that they say, especially at the end of or, or at the beginning or end of practice, um, you know, uh, even even something as simple as you know for yourself and something greater than just yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, that that one of my gurus always always says. You know, you do this for yourself and, you, and something greater than just yourself. And so it's it's like fairly open ended, but it's you know, it, it reminds you that you know. Like that, that you're doing this for you, but you're also doing this so that you know you you project onto others something that might be able to help them, and that's what the music is about. Right. Well, there's a fluidity there, I think, right? Because you're receiving from the audience, even if it's a virtual audience. I know you have a couple people sometimes on your couch when you're in the in the room, but and clearly you're feeling the vibe of the other musicians that are there. So you're not always alone, although during the pandemic it's different. But um, maybe speak a little bit to that exchange because you know, from a mindfulness perspective, we talk about interdependence, we talk about causality, things as process, nothing is fixed. That we think that we're these little, you know, two-legged, you know, two-handed, you know, mammals that walk around and have language and, and all these kinds of things. Um, but that that kind of cuts into this idea of being separate sometimes in a way that. Um, yes, we honor our uniqueness and we're part of this collective and this process and exchange. So we're offering and we're receiving. We're offering and receiving all the time, just like you and I are right here on this chat. And, um, and then I want you to talk about your new album. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, which, which part did you want me to go first? Well, the, 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 the offering and the receiving. Yeah. Well, I think that jazz has, has, has existed in very many different kinds of Form, formats always and the offer and exchange is different in each of those. it's going to be different if you're playing in an art gallery European classical concert hall it's different if you're playing speakeasy where people are dancing partying going on dates um, it's different if you're playing on a live stream um, and it's over the, over the camera and I think it just exists in many different places and, and the music adapts and it's flexible and it's improvisatory and we play I try to play in a different way, uh, depending on where we where we are, who the mm -hmm. is, how well versed they are in what we do, um, how what their attention span seems to be like. With the with the, you know, if it's a soulful audience in Detroit, it's going to be different than than you know than, than, than the audience in Japan. Um, you know, it, it just it just is, and you know, to, to realize that, to adapt quick, and then to to, to play 
in with that in mind not not to pander to anything but to, to, to keep that in mind and to know who you're talking to you know the, the way you know we interact when we talk to someone new um we assess who we're talking to and we you know we 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 uh we, we come up you know in our brain with a way of communicating and that's how you know i'll talk to you differently than i'll talk to some of my friends um and that's just how you know i play with some people you know uh rather than others and when we play on camera it's a it's a it's a totally different thing that it's taken us a you know a good chunk of a year to learn how to how to how to make that happen mm. and how to say okay can we this work on camera does this work oh does it work when i you know look into the camera does it work <laughs> with the camera and to get to to get to know that 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 situation um is is, is just another you know another and has been another journey for me and for russell and Powell and for all the different guests that we have yeah 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 sure uh so let's talk about your album yeah, so it's called Future Stride, and it just came out in January of 2021. And it features Russell Hall and Kyle Poole, the, the, the trio. And we actually recorded it pre-pandemic, which is pretty funny. Um, wow. We had no idea that this was going to happen when, when we were recording the album. And it features uh, Melissa Aldana, one of the great tenor saxophone players of our time, and, and Marquise Hill, another trumpet innovator. And it's the first time I've really um, taken all the lessons from from the Masters and the Masters Legacy series. Uh, thing that I've done. I've made a series of records with with jazz masters and made it my mission to learn from them, and uh, been able to take the, all those lessons uh, that Kyle and my, myself and Russell and, and my whole generation has learned from 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 doing these projects and bring them into the into the into the into our generation and use those teachings and those um, the, the philosophies. Uh, to 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 create with the young masters um, of, of our generation, and so that's been like a really um, awesome kind of thing to 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 experience. That's that's so great. Uh, you know, I and I know you um, this whole thing of of being with um, Russell and Kyle in your apartment on Monday nights doing this stuff sort of came out organically from the pandemic. I heard you talk uh, a couple times about how uh, you sort of, you know, went shopping for cables and sort of just had an idea one day to sort of say, how do I get enough equipment that isn't too expensive to just kind of make this work? And then it's really turned into this thing where you've had like, you know, 50 episodes basically. Um, and is that something you're going to continue to do indefinitely or what's next for you? And the trio. Um, I don't know. I think like you know, when we decide what's next, uh, too too often in our lives, um, then we're wrong, <laughs> you know, about what's next. Um, and so I really like to just kind of you know follow whatever just happened, um, you know, whatever whatever the vibe seems like 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 it should be. Um, and for me, you know, the, the pandemic hit and we said, okay, all these tours are canceled. Let's do a little live stream in, in the apartment. It turned in from, a, from an iPhone recording. Um, it turned all the way into, um, you know, four camera setup with microphones on every, all the instruments as video guy, a sound guy, um, someone working the back end on the, on, the, on the internet on the other side mm. for the Facebook and YouTube. And uh, you know, a piano tuner who comes every 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 Monday to to work to to tech the piano and um, and then different guests and various people you know coming in and out of, of the of of the episodes um, and so I never would have imagined that you know if I had planned I couldn't have planned that and so I like to just see you know what what happens and then come up with the with an idea and then you know kind of kind of 
just develop the idea in whatever way and we'll still consume this and still want us to come and play on Monday nights, then that's what we'll do. Um, if people looks like people aren't watching anymore and it's not really happening, then you know we'll we'll pivot and, and, and find something else. Um, and so I think that's that's the improvisatory nature of it and uh, really just try to you know just just come come to it with a with a sense of, of goodness and joy and respect and, and you know, you do. Try, to, try to see what, what we can do. Goodness, joy, and respect. Emmett Cohen, uh, people can find you online at EmmettCohen.com, E-M-M-E-T-C-O-H-E-N.com, or Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And yeah, all, all that. All those places now, but the best place is to sign up for a newsletter, and then I you know, put all my information in there that people should know. Beautiful. And you write a beautiful blog once a month or whatever it is that you do about that. And I remember reading your post on um, some of the stuff that had happened last year with um, the Black Lives Matter movement and just the various, you know, things. And it's really, it's really, I think you do spend time reflecting and meeting each moment and, and coming from and you keep pointing to your heart, your chest. And, and I love that because that opening, I think, is what ultimately perhaps will save us. So. Mm. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much. Um, deep bows to you, Emma Cohen, for um, sharing your joyful nature and spirit with the world and um, whatever beings are, all beings everywhere, as we like to say. And thank you for joining me on the Rerooted podcast today. Francesca, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take it easy.